Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode number 15 of the Hog Talk podcast. Tonight, we will talk about the injury to Deion Stewart and Jordan Jones. The quarterback discussion. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be the starter? That's the question that everybody's asking right now. And then TJ Smith winning the Broyles Razorback Award. This is the Hog Talk podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says... The only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. To get started. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed, be sure to share with all of your fellow Hog fans on social media. Razorback Nation, welcome to episode number 15 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Listen here for Ty Hudson's Quick Hits of the Week. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jacob. Episode 15, this is a big one. Also happens to be my very favorite number. So, some real quick tidbits throughout the week related to Arkansas news to former Razorbacks. Darius Phylon and Jonathan Williams found themselves in a bit of a tough week. Phylon, who was actually cut from the Arizona Cardinals following an assault arrest earlier in the week. And then Jonathan Williams had an on-the-field incident. He had a broken rib that was suffered in a preseason game with the Buffalo Bills. It's not considered a long-term injury, but will miss some time on the field. And then going to the Razorbacks, the 2019 season, according to to uh, Vegas odds, Superbook USA has Arkansas at six and a half wins during the 2019 season. That's obviously a bit of a surprise for most Arkansas fans, definitely for me. I would have bet that Vegas, anybody in Vegas, would have Arkansas around five five to five and a half wins. But, hey, six and a half, we'll take it. We'll take six to seven wins. I don't think we're going to complain about that, Jacob. No, I wouldn't. Not after two and ten. Woo! Especially Woo after pick. two and ten. Holy cow. Yeah. So, keeping on this little injury list, Deion Stewart, Senior uh, senior wide receiver for the Arkansas Razorbacks tore his ACL this weekend in yesterday's scrimmage. What kind of impact would Dion have had had he stayed healthy? And what does this injury tie mean for the Razorbacks group at wide receiver? It's a tough one. I mean, I know some people are going to say, well, if you look at his body of work throughout his time as a Razorback, he hasn't been a heavy contributor for the for the wideouts. 
But, I mean, you're talking about someone who ran the system a year ago, someone who's older and a little bit more experienced. He's been around a little while. That's a, It's a blow. I mean, it's not a big blow. I'm not going to tell you that it's on the same level as let's let's swap him out with, you know, I don't know, Michael Woods. I think that would be a huge hit to the receiving core. It's not that level, but it's still, you know, you feel bad for the kid. You hope he recovers. I, I, according, I, I didn't know this. I thought he had burned all of his red shirts. He does have a medical red shirt left, so we could see him as a sixth-year senior back for the 2020 season. But luckily for the Razorbacks, you know, they, they've they got depth at wide receiver. It's just not – it's not – you know, it's not the guys that are two and three years in. It's the first years. You know, you got a lot of freshmen that are going to come in and expect to – they're going to be expected to play and contribute a lot. You know, you still got Burks and TQ Jackson and – uh, Trail uh, Knox and and all those guys they're, they're they're pretty well loaded. They are younger. You've got Mike Woods who was here a year ago. You feel pretty comfortable about him, but it's a hit. And and then uh, it's you, again you feel bad for the kid. You feel so bad for Stewart. He's he's worked really hard. Chad Morris has bragged on on him a little bit. We've heard people talk about his work ethic. You just hope that he he makes a good recovery and can make it back next year. But as far as his you know his contribution this upcoming year. I wasn't really expecting Stewart to be someone that stood out. So from that standpoint, I don't think it's a huge loss, but it is a hit nonetheless. Listen, Ty, the one knock most Razorback fans and 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 the country have really talked about the issue with Dion is his weight. The guy's only 165 pounds, maybe with maybe soaking wet. I wish I had that problem if I was having to try to put on muscle or fat or or try to put something on. Look, I can eat all day long and gain 20 pounds a day. And Dion, he goes through a whole offseason trying to get his nutrition together and get the strength conditioning coaches to to getting quick and ready and ready to go for the fall. And and here he is still the same weight he has been since he entered campus. And <laughs> I wish I didn't have that problem. I wish I did. I yeah. wish I did have that problem. Yeah, I, ha- I have the opposite problem. I look at a Snickers bar, I boom, gain five pounds. Like I, it's just yeah. impossible for me to lose weight. Then again, I could probably, you know, get out of the house more often. But yeah, I think yeah. obviously that has been a knock on Stewart a little bit is his size. And some people are going to argue that that's why he's not as durable of a player is because of the, you know, the lack of weight and the, you know, he's got a smaller frame. So I, you know, I, again, I feel bad for the kid. I don't think it's a huge loss. Now the Jordan Jones injury, I think that's a little bit different story. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, Ty. He's out for three weeks, it looks like. Just three weeks. I, I, You know, when I heard the news that it was a couple of players, I, I first thing I thought instantly was that Jordan Jones and Stewart. Like, my first guess was that it was Stewart and Jones, and, of course, it was. Um, Jones, who I think has some pretty big potential in this offense. Again, you're talking about an upperclassman. I, look, he's he's gonna and now he's gonna be behind. He's gonna miss a whole week of of uh, fall camp, and he's gonna miss out on on some preparation for uh, for for Portland State and Ole Miss, and then I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to make it after that. I'm not I'm not sure exactly when they expect him back. If he's gonna be out three weeks, and then maybe he's back for week four, or maybe he's back for week three or week two. But um, you know how this goes. They'll always tell you three weeks if they have an injury in fall camp or two weeks and it ends up being a little bit longer. So, But they're getting hit by these injuries, and this happens. It's a part of football. I know there's people calling out Chad Morris. Why are you letting him play so physical? You know, I remember the approach that Brett Bielema took where it was a much softer approach, and they went 
a lot less. Like I can remember there were, there were times in fall camp, people, you know, people in the media were saying that, well, they're not as physical. They're not trying to be as physical. They're not actually, you know, they're not going full speed and they, they're doing it because they want to save their bodies and, you know, get them ready for, for the regular season. And then that didn't have the, that didn't have the outcome that everybody wanted. So you, it's just a, there's a fine line you got to walk when it comes to how hard you practice these guys, how often, how many plays you run in these scrimmages, mm-hmm. you know, are you letting them bring people to the ground? You know, what kind of, you know, what, what, what level, what speed are you allowing them to play at? And how often, again, how many, how many plays in a scrimmage? And I think actually their last scrimmage, uh, just their most recent scrimmage, Chad, someone had said, I don't know if Chad Morris had said this, or if this was just someone here locally, uh, on the radio had said that they thought that uh, Chad Morris had actually ran fewer plays. And I, so I, I compared to a year ago this time to the, to the scrimmage at this point a year ago. And I, so I'm not sure if that was something taken from what Chad Morris had said, or if that actually happened, I'm not sure, but I do know that they are conscious right. of it. They are, you know, they're going to keep an eye on these guys, but you, in my opinion is you got to let them, you got to let them play. You got to let them tackle. You got to let them get used to physical contact. Cause it's just right around the corner. Right. And and you look back at it and you think about the Nile Davis injury or the Keon Hatcher or Jonathan Williams injury. And these injuries they 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 stack up and it's fall camp. It happens every every year. You you can't you can't just blame the coaches. You can't you can't because it's happened at a nut, it happened under Petrino. Look, Darren McFadden was caught at a bar and almost had his pinky toe shot off before the beginning of the season. So I mean, it happens every every off season. I thought Darren. I thought he kicked a truck. I thought did he kick a truck? I thought he kicked, kicked a truck. car or something. There were so many. There were so many different stories that came out with that. <laughs> but you know, almost losing your pinky toe before the season. It. I mean, it's it's that's just where that's just where the state of football is. It's a contact sport. It's it's evolved to the point where everybody's physical. Uh, you don't have to just – you can turn somebody the right way, like a Raleigh Williams and his neck. I mean, yeah, he may have not broke his neck uh, when he decided to hang up the cleats, but, you know, it was enough of a scare that he ended up retiring because of the physicality of the game. You know, one one wrong step or one move, you know, can hurt your rest of your career or your life. Right. So, I mean – it happens. It's 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 a part of fall camp. It happens in Alabama, Florida, Mississippi State, every school you can think of. It's not just Arkansas. I mean, no, it's not. The sky's not. not falling. No, and and if if they do, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. They got one more scrimmage coming up. That's going to be on Wednesday for their to to close out. I guess to close out fall camp officially. I'm not entirely sure where they're at with that. If, what they plan on doing afterwards, but uh, we know that the following week they're going to start putting in. Or maybe even after the scrimmage, they're going to start installing preparation for uh, for Portland State. But they're going to have another scrimmage. If they have more injuries, you know what happens. You're going to see it all over social media. They're going to come at the coaches, and uh, I don't know. I just I'm I'm with you. I mean, I get to the the idea of you know what? How about you just let them run fifty or sixty plays? But obviously, right now they're still trying yeah. to install offense. They're still trying to get everything down on defense and trying to solidify some positions. So there's a lot of work left to be done in the offseason. And, and because of that, you're going to have – you probably – you're going to have to run some scrimmages. You're going to have to figure out how well do these guys do against full speed. That's the point of scrimmages. How well do they do 
even though it's the same guys they line up against week in and week out, they still want to they want to know, you know, what these guys what they're capable of doing against full speed and full pads. And guess what comes along with that? Bumps and bruises. It's part of it. Yeah. And the thing is, with the whole installment, you've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And time is key. I mean, but it is. I mean, Morris only has 65 to 70%, or as so he says, of that offense or his playbook utilized. So, yeah. you know, time is time, and you got to have it. You've got to have those scrimmages. You have to have those uh, in-depth practices. Yeah. So real quick, we're going to take a – take a break and listen to what Chad Morris had to say about the quarterbacks during his uh, post scrimmage press conference. Chad, on the quarterbacks, is it a deal where like you and Joe, I mean, you guys know probably here you're going to start and you're not saying, or do you really not know? No, there's only one start? head coach. Well, okay. Well, do you know who you're going to start and you do still want to say, or do you really, you're still, you haven't determined <laughs> it yet, you know? I have. We haven't determined. We'll, we'll sit and talk as a staff, and they all have one mo- one vote, and I got one more than all of them. So, no. I mean, you know, we'll we'll decide as a staff. When we walk out of a staff room, we're all 100% on board. Whether that's the starting center or the starting uh, linebacker, I mean, we're all on board at that point. But in your mind, you you still haven't really decided. No, yet. I have not. Okay. No, we've got a lot of a lot of evaluating that we've done, and you know, it just depends on what day you ask me. I mean, some days it's. You know, it's one, some days the other. Right now, it's, these guys are working their tail off. So we hear the sound bit there from Chad Morris. He kind of sounds a little defensive there, Ty. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought he was pretty defensive about it. And I get it, you know, Bob Holt's been catching a lot of heat. You know, people on social media are kind of going at him. And I get it. You know, you get it. Chad Morris has been asked the same question. He's getting tired of answering it. But look, I mean, that is that is probably question number one, you know, for people on social media. And if you just ask anybody, you know, Tom down at the corner at the corner market, and, and he's a Razorback fan, the first thing you know, he sees you wearing a Razorback shirt, he's going to look at you. What's the first thing on his mind? Who's going to be the quarterback? That's yeah. you know, when you have when you have a battle like this, when you have a quarterback battle that involves you know two transfers, some freshmen. You know, guys that were redshirted. When when you, when you're hearing things about John Stephen Jones standing out, but you're not really hearing much other than the other guys throwing interceptions and scrimmages, it's going to make you question what on earth's going on with the quarterback position. And so, obviously, Bob, I think Bob Holt and Trey Biddy is also in there as well. There's another, there's another little bit longer video, and you hear Trey Biddy kind of chime in. I I think they both did a great job. I, I'm I honestly I'm curious what's going on with the quarterback position as of today, as of. You know, and tomorrow I'm going to wonder who's the quarterback. And we need – it'd be nice for Chad Morris to let us know. And I know there's some people out there who don't who, – who believe that he has his guy. He just doesn't want to name him. I don't think that's the case because then why is he getting so defensive there? I, I truly think, you know, we have a quarterback battle that's going on and neither one of them have, have – there's no separation between the two. And I think it's – I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Last year – I can remember saying, I can remember talking about this on my YouTube channel. I thought it was a good, you know, I liked it. It was this idea of competition. These guys are going to get better because they're competing against one another. But we saw how that turned out. That's, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to think as far as, you know, who's going to be the quarterback and 
how the how how the outlook is, you know, with whoever is the quarterback in this yeah. current situation where we don't have a quarterback. I don't know if it's good or bad or not. But as far as yeah. Chad Morris there, he seemed pretty defensive. Uh, I, I think he's just getting kind of tired of the question. And I think, too, he's kind of backed up in a corner with this quarterback stuff. So um, I, I think we'll know. I think we'll know probably by Thursday who the starting quarterback is. And it feels like this is exactly how it played out last year. I'm not – I'm having a hard time yeah. remembering that, but I feel like it played out very similar. Yeah, it was the week before the, before the game, and they announced Cole Kelly as the starting quarterback over Ty Story. But, you know, really over the past, what, since the Brandon Allen days, there's really not been any kind of quarterback battle that went on until Morris came to campus and became the head coach because you knew who you got out of Brandon Allen. You knew you had Austin Allen. And then I thought it was going to be Cole Kelly was going to be the man. And then it turned out to be Ty story. And it was kind of odd. You, you go what three or four games into the season and you start even into the Tulsa game, you start three different quarterbacks uh, in your two and six start. That is, that's not ideal. You don't want to have that. You want to be able to ride one pony and ride it through the whole season. Yeah. And whether it's whether you're putting your saddle on Ben or you're putting your saddle on Nick or John Steven for, for who knows if he may become the starting quarterback. Maybe he's a smoke screen. I don't know. But you you have to pony up on somebody soon or or you're going to be left behind like you were last season. But yeah. But, you know, last season, Morris said that he only had 30% of his uh, playbook installed. Now he's at 70%. So, obviously, you're either going to be better because you have 70% of your playbook installed or you're going to be worse or the same because, well, you're still battling with two quarterbacks. That's all I got to say about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I, you're right. I mean, you're dead on. And I, I believe, too, that when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. I mean, if, if you're having to run two different yeah. quarterbacks and you're you're having to switch back and forth, that's not exactly a good sign. You know, now we could talk about the things that have happened at other programs where they've done that and they've had some success and whatever. But history tells us at Arkansas that's not exactly something that bodes well, and especially as recent as last yeah. year. So I – and we talked about this on – on a show, it may have been the last episode or the episode before last, I can't remember, but we talked about wanting a player or wanting a quarterback to win the position and then to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And we've not seen that. I'm concerned about that. I'm not I'm not panicking, and I don't think anybody should. It could be a good thing. It could be a situation where they're so ecstatic about all their options, they just don't know who to who to pick. You know, and there's a, there's another factor too that comes into all this and someone on social media had brought this up and they wonder if the emotional connection that Chad Morris has with, with these players with Ben Hicks, who obviously was his quarterback at SMU and then Nick Starkle, apparently Starkle and Chad Morris go way back, uh, you know, during his recruiting process and so on and so forth. And I guess there are mutual connections in Texas. Um, and you know, and, and he brought, he brought him over. I mean, he brought him in, when uh, Kelly Bryant chose to go to go to Mizzou, then you had you brought in Starkle. So you wonder if he feels like he kind of owes Starkle something. And then you've got the John Stephen Jones. We all know whose grandpa is. Some people believe there's something at play there. I, I don't believe that. I think that's just conspiracy theory nonsense. But 
that that is an angle that people have taken that there's some sort of emotional or some sort of connection that he has with these guys and it's it's maybe kind of causing him to kind of second guess his his decision i i don't know if that's playing into it obviously we don't know chad although he did just recently follow us on twitter uh yeah on the hog talk podcast how cool is that that was the highlight of the week for us <laughs> that was really yeah, cool. absolutely i love it but uh that's that's pretty yeah. cool it makes us feel now all we're waiting on is that dadgum blue check mark how great would that be but yeah i there's so much to take away from this, and I'm going to be real with you. I, I don't know that, that this bodes well when you don't have a starting quarterback and you're just a week out from uh, from game preparation for for Portland yeah. State. You know, I don't I don't know. It's I don't think it's a good thing. But I, like I said, I think we'll know by Thursday who are who the starting starting quarterback is going to be. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it has to come out soon because that's the burning question: whether it's Bob Holt or Trey Biddy, Danny West, us, or any just plain Jane Razorback fan on the on Razorback Road going to ask Morris who's the starting quarterback. It's going to happen. It's, it's the burning question. And it's not that, you know, it's it's not that it's the most important, but that's the burning question. People want to know who your quarterback is because if you don't have a quarterback, you're just you're just not going to be very good. I mean, you think about Razorback teams in the past where they had a great defense and and, and great skill position players, but they just had that one piece of quarterback they they probably could have been national contenders or you know and and then if you do have your quarterback you have a great quarterback and you just don't have a great supporting cast around you you know it, it's it's burning questions like that that you have to answer as a coach and and I I think Morris wants to answer that I think Morris knows that he needs to answer that question but mm. it's not coming and whether you know whether it's going to come or not you know before Thursday or before before the uh, scrimmage or after the scrimmage, whatever, you know, we'll know. We'll know the answer. And you'll it'll be blatantly obvious come the Portland State and Ole Miss game if that was the right decision or not. Yep, I agree. So, so moving on, uh, TJ Smith, he won the first ever Broyles Razorback Award. And, Ty, you were out on – you're out making messes, according to the Hog Talk Twitter page uh, <laughs> over there around the Eureka Pizza. If you want to see that tweet, go to the Hog Talk podcast Twitter page at the Hog Talk and check out his little mess he made uh, this weekend at a bachelor party. That was so my while tweet. he was gone. <laughs> obviously, your bra too. So, <laughs> oh, was there a bra on that? Picture? So uh, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, so while you were gone, Arkansas gave out, or Chad Morris gave out, the first ever uh, Frank Broyles Razorback Award. And this is what he had to say about the award. It's an award that we've been wanting to give you. I've been thinking about it for close to a year, wanting to do it at the right time to give it out, and this was the right time. And basically what we want to do is just continue to educate our young men on what Coach Broyles did. Not just for this university, but for the entire state of Arkansas and for college football and Broyles' love for the hogs that he had. And so there'll be a lot of the family that will be here tonight, and we'll give the award out. This will be a prestigious award, and it's something that I hope is given to a player as long as they play football here because it's important that our young men know the impact that Coach Broyles had in this program and all across the country. 
So that that's just a short bit of what Coach Morris had to say. I love, Ty, I don't know about you, but I love how your check and Morris, they don't just want to harp on what they have now. They want to take in the tradition of the years gone by, whether it's Frank Burles or having the players like Travis Swanson will uh, talk about later with the former players being invited to the second scrimmage and their families for, for, for this past weekend. He wants to bring in the old guard and, and, and kind of mold it into more of a family atmosphere. And I love it, Ty. I think it's a great idea to blend the old with the new. What do you think? Well, Arkansas, you know, we're accused a lot, and we have people on our Facebook page that will remind us of this, especially a certain LSU fan who apparently just loves our page and loves yes. to remind us that we live in the past, that Arkansas fans and, and everybody lives in the past. And, I, I, hey, look, I'm glad we embrace stuff like that. And obviously Frank Broyles played – he was a huge figure. You don't think about – Especially me, you know, I was born in 83, and I grew up at a time when Arkansas was, you know, I mean, they were great at basketball, and then eventually they, they got better at football, and, and after joining the SEC, it took a little time, and they brought in Houston Nutt, and it seemed like they were going to start this winning tradition, and but you, you couldn't help think about Frank Broyles and the University of Arkansas, as long as I've been alive, and it, it is neat to see them kind of em, embrace the culture and, and the history and everything, because, I mean, look, these aren't guys... Chad Morris is not an Arkansas guy, okay? When he moves on to his next job, he is whatever that next job is. He's going to be obsessed with that, yeah. and that's going to be his, you know, he's going to make that his own thing, and maybe even Hunter Juracek. Hopefully Hunter sticks around. I kind of like Hunter. Uh, but it's great that they both, him, you know, Chad Morris and Hunter Juracek have done such a great job of trying to hang on to that tradition. You know, you talk about the uh, the name in the court, Putting uh, putting Nolan Richardson's name Nolan on the court, and uh, you know people are talking about one of the things I hear a lot on social media is statues, and maybe that's something Hunter Yurchek will embrace. You know, if you walk around, you'll see history. You know, you'll see the the former teams, the, the years as they've gone by inside at the uh, at the Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. You know, it's 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 really neat. Arkansas is all about its history and its culture and all things hog, and it's. It's satisfying to have an athletic director do that. And, and Jeff Long, I think, did as well. Obviously, a lot there's there's some resentment from some fans with Jeff Long and his hires, how they didn't work out. I kind of think he, uh, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 on Jeff Long. I, I like him. There's some good and there's some bad there. And who knows? We'll look back on Hunter Yurchek maybe a little bit differently, maybe in a little bit more positive light. But I'm like you. I like this. I like that they're embracing the history and everything that kind of comes along with the Arkansas Razorbacks. But – yeah, uh, I hope they keep it going. And I was going to mention, too, you know, Chad Morris, he wants to go back to that classic Darren McFadden-era jersey. You know, that kind of right. goes along with more of, you know, he's trying to embrace and, and, and embrace Arkansas. And uh, fans love those jerseys. So now he wants to make them permanent jerseys because the fans love them and he knows it's kind of synonymous with Arkansas uh, Razorback football history in a time when we were a little bit better <laughs> than where we are yeah. now. So, yeah, I, I like it. I, I dig it. And I want to applaud T.J. Smith, a guy that, you know, was little known in his in his recruitment and stuff, but a guy that's fought his way to a starting position. Nobody expected him two years ago to to make his way. And you and I agree here about a guy, if you're going to have an Armand Watts guy to watch out for, type of player is T.J. Smith. 
this is this is his last chance. And if anybody can put him into the into the pros and get him drafted, it's who? The Chief. <laughs> the Chief is <laughs> the Chief has a a track record of putting guys into the NFL, and and he put in two last year. So so hopefully we see more of that in the future. And uh, uh, good job to T.J. Smith for 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 getting and making his way to be a Razorback starter and a guy that will make the Razorback fans proud, I believe. I, I think he's, you know, and while we're on the subject of TJ, I think he's bought in, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a Georgia kid and, and I, I don't remember his recruiting process. I know I, like you said, I know he wasn't super highly rated and I don't, I don't know what his offers look like, but uh, he's bought in and he's fought his way. And man, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just, I like guys with chips on their shoulders and guys that want to fight to prove that they belong on the field. Like our man Morgan, who we had on just uh, not, not that long ago. Oh, yeah. God, they just, again, they just kind of, I don't know. They, 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 re- they represent Arkansas in the best way just because of their, their, their willingness to want to be in the fight, you know, and that to me just, that just bleeds Arkansas. It just bleeds the Razorback culture. You know, we want to. We have a chip on our shoulder in Arkansas, and guys yeah. like that who fight their way to the top of the, of the depth chart. Yeah, like you said, he's going to play. He's going to play, and yeah. he may even start. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm proud I mean, of the him. guy. He only had two SEC offers: us and Vanderbilt. He had Charlotte, Dartmouth, and Gardner Webb. I mean, he's a guy that obviously, like you said, had a chip on a chip on his shoulder, and has displayed a heart of a Razorback. Yep. And that's another statue that's in Fayetteville is the is the uh, wild band of Razorbacks. Yes. So I yes. love that one. A lot of fans have taken pictures with that. That is probably the, one of the coolest statues. It's a lot uh, better than that. It's a lot better than the monstrosity they have. If you're out on 62 in Fayetteville heading to Farmington, there's this giant Razorback statue Oh, it's just oh man! I applaud whoever put that up. I applaud their passion for the Razorbacks, but oh my goodness, that thing is—it's just oh! I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to post it on Twitter, let people who haven't seen it take a look at it. But it is just yeah. When you're driving, when you're heading west, when you're heading towards Farmington, it's right there on the right. <laughs> you can't miss it. It's just ugly as sin. My God. But yeah, you're right. I love that statue in front of the stadium. In fact, a friend of mine, you know, was at a bachelor's party all weekend. And he got a chance to see the north end zone fully finished. He got cha- he got a chance to check out the uh, Razorback statue, the band of wild hogs, and uh, he kind of you know he he was sending us pictures of everything, and and uh, it's 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 really cool to have something like that at the stadium. It's actually you know what's interesting too is the north end zone isn't an eyesore anymore. It's so it's nice. You got the band of wild hog yeah. statues and just the whole remodeling they did down there. It's awesome. So. Maybe yeah. we'll see some more statues. I want to see. I want to celebrate. I, I really wish they would do that. I want to see them celebrate former hogs and and uh, you know imagine a statue of like Darren McFadden or or D Mac. You know that famous picture of D Mac Hillis and and Wood Felix. Wood. Oh, oh my! Yeah. Or that yeah. one too. I yeah. Know. I think yeah. that'd be really that'd cool. Be awesome. But yeah, TJ, yeah. we're proud of you, buddy. I know you're probably not listening to this, but congrats, man. Yeah. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast, the second segment with Mr. Travis Watson, former Razorback center, drafted in the third round of the NFL draft. How you doing, Travis? Doing good. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and thanks for being on, man. It's really great. We want to know. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know real quick, you know, what, 
What's been going on post-NFL career? Well, first things first, we, uh, my wife and I had our, our little daughter back in January, and she turned seven months old. Uh, Congrats. Yeah, a few days ago. Thank you. And she is, uh, I mean, she's our world, and she has changed everything in our lives for the better, um, obviously. And, uh, you know, she runs the show now, and it's, it's been it's been awesome to, to, you know, every day wake up and kind of look at her and 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 just see she does a little more every single day and it's so cool but she's almost to the point where she's crawling now so we're trying to we're trying to hold her back just a little bit because we we know once she does that then it's just game over (laughs) (laughs) yep it is (laughs) yeah things uh things have been going good you know we're back in the northwest arkansas area now um wife and i opened up a small business called alpha lit nwa does you know different marquee letter rentals for all sorts of occasions we've done weddings we've done corporate events birthday parties uh you know baby announcements um really anything that you could think of that you want spelled out um we can do it uh you know so wife uh i've been helping out with that that'll be her thing and i've been getting into commercial real estate up here with commercial realty uh who has an office in fayville and little rock as well um so yeah we're getting into that and uh we've kind of become a a real estate type family. My parents moved up here about three years ago and my mom has opened her own uh, residential real estate firm called Urban Cottage, uh, which she does that. So so we're all back in the area now and uh, my wife's, wife's got some family in Little Rock. So everything's kind of slowly been coming together for us now, which is, uh, which has been pretty cool. Well, so we, what was uh, Detroit like? What? Oh, Detroit was, oh, we had a phenomenal time. You know, it, uh, you know, you, you have the areas that, that you would think, you know, when you, when you first think of Detroit, you know, it doesn't necessarily have the, uh, the greatest image. I think that comes to people's minds when they first, you know, think about it. But when we first got there, you know, we, we came to find out pretty quick that it is, um, especially where we were kind of, we're about half hour, half hour west of the city. And it was extremely nice, reminding us quite a bit of uh, Northwest Arkansas area. Um, you know, in the downtown part of Detroit is, is making a slow comeback. You know, I think you give that city another, anywhere between another 10 to 15 years and it'll be pretty a pretty nice place um but no our time there you know in terms of just the city and like kind of guys in the locker room and stuff like that you know it it was phenomenal and we uh we we made a lot of friends uh that we're gonna hold you know close to us for the rest of our lives you know and it just unfortunately went by too quick yeah you had a you had a good little career there in the NFL and, and with the Detroit Lions, you started and, and uh, you, I, everything I've ever read is you made an impact on the field. As soon as you were, you, you stepped on the field. I, I wanted to know going back to your sec days, obviously as, as a, as a Razorback being an all sec caliber offensive lineman, you're always told, you know, the media tells us that, well, you know, you're the most prepared for the NFL when you play in the sec it's basically the minor league of the NFL, and especially along the trenches. How much do you think the SEC prepared you for the next level? I mean, without a doubt, you know, hands down, everything that you hear in terms of 
being prepared to go to the NFL. I mean, it, it's all true. Now, in terms of, you know, obviously there is always going to be an adjustment period once you get there, regardless if you play in the SEC or not. You know, you're going to have to adjust to a lot of the speed of the game. Everyone's, everyone's you know, as big or stronger than you. And third downs and all this sort of stuff, you have to – yes, there is an adjustment period, but I truly believe – that if there is a conference that will prepare you for the NFL, without a doubt, it is the SEC, and specifically the SEC West. Just given, I mean, it's just it's common knowledge. You just look at who's in the division, and it's like it's just it's no secret as to just the kind of the the, the caliber of players that come out of these schools, uh, the careers that they have, um, the types of players that they are, you know, and and there's just there's so much that goes into into preparing someone for the NFL. You know, I think a lot of it too is, you know, when we had when I first came in and we had Coach Petrino, I had him for three years, and you know, as an 18 year old walking into those kind of practices and that kind of offense was just, you know, I walked in and I just was like, okay, this is this is just how it is. You know, these, you're having three and a half hour practices day in and day out. And you have this massive notebook playbook that, that come to find out that that was a NFL playbook. And at 18 years old, like I master that. And then it's like everything else from there on out is just like, it's easy. You know, I think I honestly believe how, how the game was and how everything was set up for me when I came in in terms of difficulty and what we were, you know, attention to detail that was required of us and what you had to learn and what was asked of you, I think set me up so much to have to get as far as we did because those things carried over so much. I would have no, I had no problem whatsoever ever learning a playbook in the rest of my college career or in the NFL just because I had literally I had been studying and playing and working that way for so long that it benefited me and I think it was a huge part of how I stuck in it for as long as I did so you said there about the Petrino days Bielema was known, I mean, as, as most people know, Bielema was your final college coach. He was known as the offensive line guru. He, did he groom you for the NFL draft or anything? Was there a difference in, you know, how you were coached between the Petrino and the Bielema days? You know, I think more with the, the biggest thing for me with the Bielema days was, you know, I thought Coach Bielema was a phenomenal coach. But the mere fact that he brought in Sam Pittman was – when you, when you had a combination between Sam Pittman as the old line coach and Ben Herbert as the strength coach, I mean, it was just, it, it was unbelievable. The, I mean, you look at it from, from just both those guys, like my perspective for both those guys, Ben Herbert, who's hands down the greatest, the greatest college strength coach, possibly strength coach at like out there right now. There's no question. Hands down. I saw right. more, more development in a eight to nine month period with him than I had those previous four years. Now there was nothing against, you know, nothing against the staff that was there before, 
I, I love those guys, and they did a heck of a job. It was just something like something with, you know, with with Coach Herb and his philosophy and how he goes about things and how he works you. It's it's unbelievable, and I think when you pair that up with someone who's a genius such as Sam Pittman, who has a way of just get like instilling you with this confidence that is just unbelievable and it's unmatched and he is just he he makes things he knows how to make things so simple and cut down all the just the weed through all the things that you don't necessarily need to say and just how to simplify it and make it play fast and i think for me especially that last year those two guys in particular were vital for the success i had in my last year how much do you think uh you know, we've obviously since you've left and gone on to the NFL, the offensive line overall, and I know you've been preoccupied and everything, but what do you think has caused the drop off along the line of scrimmage for Arkansas, especially on the on the offensive side of the ball? What is what do you think? Is do you think it's a talent issue? Is it is it just something maybe I don't want to put anything on a coach, but do you think it might have something to do with the verbiage and, and just their ability to communicate with these guys? What are you seeing? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, the things, you know, it, a lot of this is always what you, how, how people perceive things, you know, and it's, you know, someone, a a group of people might think, oh, there's a drop off here and they might have their reasons for this. But I think if, you know, you could, you know, maybe if, if, if some details or something were, were shed to enlighten the fact that, you know, of something that maybe the public didn't know or something you could view it somewhere else and see, you know, it might not be as bad as as what everyone is making this out to be, you know. And the thing is, is, you know, I have been, you know, I've been away for five years and kind of doing this thing. And, you know, I've been trying to keep up as much as much as I can. And, uh, you know, it's hard to it was hard to at times now. Now, thankfully, now I can. Um, you know, I think a lot of it, too, there's not just there's these things are so there's so many variables and so many factors that go into making not only a team but just making a cohesive offensive line unit now it takes very it takes a very specific kind of person to play offensive line and those that that play it know exactly what I'm talking about you know, I say this, it is, it is the only position in any sport anywhere where the target that everyone is trying to get to is behind you and moving. Mm -hmm. It is the only, it is the only one in sports. And it is a very, very, very difficult thing to get down because you have not one guy, but five guys overall. And these five guys have to be in, in in sync with not only each other, but what the quarterback is doing behind them. And that takes that t- it takes a long, long, very long time to get these things down, you know. And I think a lot of it too is is you know depending on the ultimately the the type of offensive system that the team's running. And okay, what are we going to ask these these you know, this group of guys to do and everything, all, all everything matters to the detail down to not only oh, what you're going to do in uh, fall camp, you know, everything like it needs to be mapped out. This is how I always looked at it. 
is I tried to detail every aspect of my day down to the second of what I was going to do to somehow, is this going to help me become better, a better football player? You know, because these things you have to work on constantly all year long. I used to walk around the campus with headphones in my ear and I'd be playing music. Uh, and if someone was to come up to me and try to talk to me or say something, I would not turn the music off. I would leave the headphones in, but I would still have a conversation with them. And the reason I did that was because I was trying to drown out the music that was in my ear to pinpoint their voice. Because when you go on these away stadiums, you have to listen for one voice out of 100,000 people. So stuff like that, like like things that you just have to constantly do. And I think, you know, a lot of it, and that's the thing, I don't know exactly what is being asked of these guys up in, you know, up on the team right now. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, I'm not saying that they're 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 doing good or doing bad. That's because I don't know. The thing is, it depends on the leadership in the room, depends on leadership uh, with the online coach, Dustin Fry, who, you know, I met and is a phenomenal guy. And with Coach Morris, you know, what are they asking of these guys? How are they holding them accountable? Um, which I've been to a couple practices now, and, you know, I've seen some good stuff, you know. Uh, but it's still pretty early on, you know. I think they got they got a couple more weeks here, and they've been working hard this past spring uh, and summer cycle. Uh, past winter cycle, I know that they were working hard. So, you know, I think it'll be pretty interesting to, to see uh, what kind of team that we, we see uh, starting the year out. It's interesting you talking about like putting the headphones on and just trying to do doing the little things to better yourself. Uh, that's I've never even thought of that because I, I know there's been times when I've maybe tried to approach. Uh, I can remember a, a time uh, Darren McFadden actually was in Walmart and I happened to pass him and he held his hand out, but he had headphones on. Yeah, but he held his hand out like you wanted to like I didn't I wasn't planning on that. I was just like, hey, what's up, D-Mac? Good luck next week. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he shook my hand, gave me the, you know, the, the little handshake and then walked by me and he had those hands, and I could hear him blaring. Oh, yeah. I, now that I think about that, I wonder if he was kind of taking on the same approach. That's actually really good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, you know, I well, for me, I needed to snap the ball at yeah. the right moment. Cause if I don't do it, then everyone's going to be all jacked up. And I just, you know, I tried to find a way like stuff like that, little things like that, that I, that, you know, in my, that it made sense to me. So I did it, you know, and I just, I knew, I knew the kind of player I wanted to be and I knew where I wanted to go with my career. And so I tried to do as many things as I could to help me get to that point. What do you think? And since you're, I mean, you, you had essentially what three different head coaches, uh -huh. right? You had Petrino, John L. Smith and Brett Bielema of those three. And I, you've probably been asked this before, I'm sure, but who had, in your opinion, the biggest personality? I think I know where everyone thinks this is going. Like, oh, it's got to be so-and-so. But who do you think of those three had the biggest personality? Oh, the biggest personality just by themselves is John L. Smith, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, it's down. You know, and I had – and that's a good way to put it. I had – I had, a, you know, my, my five years there, I had just coaches from all different ends of the spectrum, you know, um, which I think was, it was a blessing just cause I had, you know, kind of going back to what I said before when I first got into college, uh, just like that playbook and stuff, just the type of coaches I had, like I, I literally, I saw everything. So by the time I got to the NFL, literally nothing phased me, 
because I had been in, you know, whatever situation it was with whatever kind of coach I had, I had already had that. Which I know it's, 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 that's kind of tough to say because you would like to, you know, you just, you want one coach your whole career. And I know the fans want one coach and have a bunch of success and this, that, and the other. But I always try to, uh, try to find the positive and, and situations. Here's my last question. I'll, then I'll let Jacob take over with his, um, of, of those group of guys, it's obviously different offensive mindsets. I mean, you've got Petrino who ran something a little bit more pass happy and completely different, really a polar opposite offensive identity compared to what Brett Bielema, what he ran, which in my opinion, I, I love lining the ball up being a, you know, I played offensive line in high school. I love playing the ground pound game, just running the ball out of the eye and up the gut. I love that, you know, try to stop us, even though you know what's coming, but how, in your opinion, like, or, or, or for your career at Arkansas, like, how difficult was that to go from to go from that kind of style of offense, the Petrino spread them out, kind of, you know, throwing the ball 50, 60 times or 45, 55 times a game to the Brett Bielema style, which is run heavy. Like, how big of a change was that for you and and in uh, moving forward? And how how well do you think that prepared you for the NFL seeing those changes? Well, I think it, it, it benefited me greatly just between the two types of systems. And I know that, you know, that. You know, our last year we were we ran a lot, but we also we did a lot of play actions, did a lot of different dropbacks that we had, and the, um, you know, I think it exposed me quite a bit to different protection schemes. And I know I had a lot of um, my last year, a lot of the protection calls and IDs and getting everyone like calling them and everything was on my shoulders, which I I wanted because I was like, if I can master this, then this is going to help me you know, at the next level. Um, so I think with Petrino's offense, there was so much volume and so many code words and just different uh, different styles of runs, different styles of protections, different styles of play actions that, that gave the volume of that was like, okay, I've now seen everything. And we ran it very well. And then to go to Bielema's offense, which was not – from a from a volume standpoint, not as much, but in terms of decision, like my personal discretion and decision making to be right, I had a lot more of that than what I did with Petrino's offense. Um, so I think both of those offenses and systems allowed me to just build to be the kind of player that I was. You know, it was such a that last year for me was such a such a blessing you know i know we didn't have the the greatest record in the world um but for me to 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 have the coaches that i had that last year have the strength coach that i had that last year and for them to give me uh as much responsibility that they did help me tremendously so i don't really ask for favorite play or anything but what was what's the loudest moment at uh, Razorback Stadium during your career? Oh, easy. 2010 when uh, uh, Alabama came into town and we uh, first two, uh, second play of the game, I think we hit Ronnie Wingo. Uh, yeah. That little pass, and then he just took it in, and the place just just erupted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember I, that. I'll never forget that. that the uh, will route, yeah. It was. That, that, was that place, yeah. 
it, it came unglued. Yeah, it was loud for. Yeah, it was loud for like five minutes after that play, wasn't it? If I remember right. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean it was deafening. The freaking top came off the place. It was unbelievable, you know. And yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't <laughs> we didn't pull that one out, but uh, the beginning of the game was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it always is when you're winning or when you're yeah. when you're in it to win it like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, let's see here. What? What really brought you to Arkansas? That's the last question I have. For for a lot of recruits, you know, they they they're surprised by what Arkansas has. You know, you were around Arkansas at the time where they were winning pretty steady, anywhere between eight to ten games. What stood out to you? This this is the final question. What stood out to you uh, for Arkansas? Well, you know, for you I, as a recruit, I know everyone's everyone's recruiting story and how they got to certain places is always different. You know, I don't know how much background you know of me, but I did not, I I was not the kind of uh, guy in high school that could just kind of sit around and look at the phone and wait for it to ring and offers were just pouring in, you know? So I had, I had to go, I got nothing but these uh, general computerized letters uh, saying, come to, the, you know, come to this one day camp or this yada, yada, yada. So my dad and I sat down and my mom, uh, summer going into my senior year and every weekend we wanted to go to hit one of these one day camps. Cause I really wanted to try to try to go on to, to see if I could play in college. Cause I thought I could. Um, and then I remember last weekend before school started, uh, we sat down and it was either between Baylor or Arkansas. And there was a part of me that said, you know, let's just kind of, let's get out of Texas. Let's go, you know, I want to go to Arkansas. Let's just see how it is. That's the SEC. That would be really fun. Um, I had gotten no SEC uh, interest whatsoever. Um, and so I remember we got there and I remember we're, we're driving up Razorback Road and, you know, going to sign into the camp. And I just remember driving up that road, seeing the stadium, just like, I mean, this is, this is, this feels right, you know, and it honestly, it wasn't <clears throat> my first initial love for it. And like, oh, I wanted to be here was just off of, it had nothing to do with, with the team or the playbook or anything like that. It was just the feel I had for the campus and the city. Um, <clears throat> and then it was all, you know, it was all justified once I went in and did, you know, I, I did my best and thankfully the camp worked out and then finally got there and, you know, realized, you know, this is going to be, this is going to help me quite a bit with how, you know, who the coach was and, and get with the SEC and the playbook and all, all that. So it all kind of came together, you know, and it, uh, you know, I, it was, it, I, it was the best decision that I think that I had ever made, you know, was to, was to come to, come to this camp because, if we didn't, then who knows? Like I, you know, I, who knows if I would have had the same success that I had elsewhere. It's kind of hard to say, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm a believer that everything works out for a reason. Yeah, you Absolutely. looking looking at your uh, recruiting. I, yeah, you're a part of that '09 class. Good grief! I mean, Ronnie Wingo, Nile Davis, uh, Darius Winston at the time was the number one number one player in the state of Arkansas. He was a five-star prospect. And you, out of that whole bunch, I think you could argue you had the most success. I know Kobe Hamilton 
Uh, I think he's still floating around the NFL somewhere, but I mean, and I'm not trying to downgrade him at all. He was a phenomenal wide receiver, no doubt about that. But you were a part of a pretty crowded class as far as uh, recruiting talent. That was pretty impressive. Brandon Mitchell, a lot of fans remember him, and and yeah. uh, Terrell Williams, guys like that. That was a good no, group. We had, we had, I mean, a lot of guys. We had a couple of JUCO guys too, I believe that uh, that came in. You know, and that's that's the thing is. You know, I've had parents and, and high school kids reach out and, and ask, you know, a lot, especially with a lot about this whole analytical and the stars and all that sort of approach that that, that is going on nowadays. And, you know, I was, you know, quote, unquote, three star, which I just I always had kind of a difficult time understanding how how someone can can how do you rank these kids and what goes into it and the formula and okay you know is one is one person who's who's ranking these o-line guys is he ranking dbs as well like i just there was there's a part of me that doesn't necessarily believe in it you know i don't, I don't think that there, there's a lot of kids i know that that have been have played high school football that might look and see oh i'm only a this star or whatever and and then that kind of shuts down their their hopes and dreams of maybe ever pursuing something which i, I highly disagree with you know i i read something a long, long time ago that said doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will oh and, boy and that's that, i mean that that hits the nail on the head right there you know it, really some, does. it doesn't matter what website has you as this or what person or some social media analyst has you as this it like it doesn't matter yeah today it's it's can you get your foot in the door can you get there and once you get there what are you going to do with the time with your time that you're there because i mean a lot of it is 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 you have this you, you have an opportunity of the lifetime but it's only within the lifetime of the opportunity so you you there's a sense of urgency that you have to have that is, it is, it is constant. And how am I going to get up every single day and improve? Even if that's the best thing for me in 2009 was redshirting. I needed it, so I knew I was not going to play whatsoever. But you still, you have to have that sort of mentality. Getting up, thinking this time next year, it's all going to work out, and we're going to keep working, keep working, keep working, and this is going to work out. Yeah. We had we had, we actually had last week uh, from Hooten's magazine. We had Barry Grooms on, and we talked about players, high school kids, that were overlooked because of the classification they play in, in high school. Yeah, and, and how you get guys all the time that you know maybe they play in three A or four A, but they you know they ball out, they look good, but because they play in a lower classification, they just get completely overlooked. It happens. It happens a lot. You know, Arkansas. You'll see these kids go to our out of the state. And they'll go play for, you know, they won't get the offer from Arkansas. They'll get overlooked by the SEC schools, but then they'll go somewhere and, and uh, you know, and, and do well and maybe even have a shot at the NFL. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Sometimes I've always told people when that conversation of star power comes up, I always say there may be sense behind it, but the stars don't tell the entire story. Oh, no, not at all. You know, and it's – it's uh I'm always interested as to who, like, because I know that there are a lot of guys. There have been numerous amounts of guys that I would imagine that that have been just phenomenal players that 
have been overlooked, like you said. And I've always been curious as to who these the evaluator is of you know that area or whatever. Like, okay, what's 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 the evaluator's history? You know, how do they their credentials and stuff like that? Which I mean that that can be a whole nother topic some other <laughs> that's a whole other podcast my yeah, friend right? that is <laughs> that would be a that'd be a good show though it really would yeah I'll try to break down who's uh who's analyzing the analyzers who's yeah, right? <laughs> who's policing the police who's keeping an eye on these guys technology this day though you know it's 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 crazy just uh, it's crazy how much faith people really do put in those rankings i understand alabama they get the you know they get these higher elite players but then you think too you know, look at the staff that's developing those kids. You know, yeah. look at the look at the facilities they have to to develop and grow within. You know, too. And you wonder if those kids, if they go elsewhere, do they have that same level of success if they go to smaller schools? So you're right. You're you hit the nail on the head. It really there's a lot that plays into it, and the stars don't tell the entire story. I agree 110. percent Yeah. No, not at all. And, and I wish that more people would would realize that but i know that that's just not the case a lot of the times you know people um the people need sort of some sort of guidance and like what oh what should we talk about how should we feel oh this is saying that this person played this way so that that'll give us something to talk about so i get you know from a business standpoint i get the whole business model of these these the the websites and the stars and this that and the other you know but but looking at it from the players side and evaluate something i just you know, that's where, where there's kind of a disconnect for me. Yeah. Well, Travis, we had, we appreciate you coming on tonight and joining the Hog Talk podcast. Uh, and we want to invite you uh, to come back anytime. And uh, if you want to uh, show your business one more time, uh, let let Arkansas know what you are and, and, and what they where they can get you at. Yeah, so uh, family business is uh, wife and I started up called Alpha Lit NWA. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, our handle is Alpha Lit NWA. Uh, Marky letter rentals, all sort of different occasions, whatever you want to spell out. Um, you can just reach out to us on there, and we can work with you on on what you're thinking. You know, and I, I too, am getting into commercial real estate uh, in the area with commercial realty. Uh, working with uh, Tyler Wilson, another. Another former hog. Uh, we so know yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're getting into. So uh, anyone ever needs anything, just reach on out. <laughs> all right, Travis. Well, we appreciate you coming on and and uh, you come back again, all right? Sounds good. I really appreciate y'all having me on. Thank Absolutely. you. <clears throat> so that'll do it for tonight's show, number episode 15 of the Hog Talk Podcast. It's flying by, Ty. And I just want to let you know that I am proud to have you as a co-host on the show. Oh, thank you, sir. You're, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Now, now endorse your YouTube channel, please. Well, yeah, you could, I mean, some of you know, and for those of you who don't, I am on the Picture Network YouTube channel, been around for a couple of years. I just, just got past the quarter million total view mark, over 2,000 subscribers. It's growing, it's doing well, but I, uh, this has been when Jacob reached out to me to do the, the hog talk podcast or, or to do something at the time we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we came across the idea of doing a podcast. It's been, I just knew right then you're a go getter. And, uh, it was, an, it was really cool for you to reach out and for us to kind of get this thing settled out. And here we are 15 episodes later, 
I don't know how many downloads we're at, but our, our social media is popping. I mean, good grief. It's just been incredible. It's been an awesome ride, and we just started. Yeah, we had over 500 downloads this week on uh, on our podcast, so I'm That's humbled just- by it. I mean, I, I told you all last week we were at 3,000 uh, total downloads, and this week we had over 500. So y'all fans, are y'all are incredible, and we are just humbled by I am humble. I don't know about Ty. He's, he's a – a uh, proud man, but I'm very humble of uh, <laughs> what we've accomplished here. No, I'm humbled. I'm definitely uh, thankful for every view yeah. that we get, absolutely. And for everyone yeah. who, who engages with us on social media as well, thank you guys. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, make sure when you do and li- go and listen to our podcast tonight, go and uh, subscribe, leave us a rating, maybe five-star like the recruiting services, and maybe leave us a review and, and tell us what you like, don't like, or at least what you do like. So for the episode 15 of the Hog Talk Podcast, this is Jacob Davis from thehogpin.net and Ty Hudson of the Pig Trail Network. We will see you all next week. And make sure to go and like our Facebook and Twitter pages. In the event screen on our pages, you will see a live event from Oxbin Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. You can... Uh, stop right off the interstate and go check us out at Oxbin Brewing Company uh, for our live show at September 13th at 6.30 p.m. Go check that out. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.